Welcome to the Center for Internet Security's podcast, Cybersecurity Where You Are. Cybersecurity affects us all, whether we are at home, managing a company, supporting clients, or even running a state or local government. Join CIS's Sean Atkinson and Tony Sager as they discuss trends and threats, ways to implement controls and infrastructure, explore best practices, and interview experts in the industry. We are here to bring clarity to these complex issues to bring confidence in the connected world. Well, welcome back to the Center for Internet Security's podcast, Cybersecurity Where You Are. We've got a special episode today. I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Atkinson. Hello, Sean. Hello, Tony. Great to have you back. And uh, you're going to switch today role from uh, co-host to a guest. Yes. So I'll talk to you a little bit about the topic. And we're also joined by an extra special guest this episode, uh, Ed Scotus. Hey, Tony. How's it going? Great. Welcome. I'll give you a chance to tell us a little bit about uh, what your... uh, role is in this topic and what you're doing with the Center for Internet Security. So today's topic, we're going to talk about penetration testing, one of my very favorite topics in this industry, sort of grew up in it. And uh, let me offer a little bit of historical perspective here. In my day, and I was part of the stand-up of things like red teams and blue teams and so forth for the Defense Department, kind of in those early, late 90-ish kind of days. And you know, as I look back on it, what occurred to me was the real foundational purpose for this kind of testing in those days was, ready for this? Drama. Mm. <laughs> Remember those days? Yeah. Oh, we have to convince the executives to pay attention to this, and you know, no one's really caring, and they gotta, they're making bad decisions. We need drama. We need to convince them that they can be hacked. So we hire a bunch of smart folks, we bring them in, and we create drama. And, uh, you know, a couple of things. Maybe that was the right answer in those days. But, you know, any executive who's not paying attention to this stuff today, uh, we need to help them find different work, frankly. But that was important back then. But sometimes we lose sight of purpose, right? We think we need to create drama when really what we're trying to do is improve our security. So today we're going to talk about, you know, what's the modern role of penetration testing? How does an enterprise security person, hey, Sean, uh, make sense of this and not use it for drama, but use it for information gathering, right? To use it as part of a security program. And so we'll look at this more comprehensively. So we had this great opportunity. We actually happen to be on site at the headquarters of the Center for Net Security, and a penetration test is underway even as we speak, thanks to our guest, Ed Skodis. uh, Thank you, absolutely. Yeah, so we'll talk about that a little bit and sort of get a sense for you know, what's going on and the way you perceive it today. Ed, could we just start, give me a little bit of background about CounterHack. And sure, sure. So CounterHack is a company that I started that has uh, two two main businesses that we work on. Um, our mission, maybe it's good to start with a mission. The mission of CounterHack is to do very, very high quality security consulting services. That's part one of it. Part two is with people we love. And by that, we mean our customers and we mean our, our team, our staff. And then the third part is to make the world a safer, more secure place. So we're a small team. We want to keep it small. We're 17 people right now. I don't want to grow much bigger. I always tell people I'm trying not to grow. I'm failing at that. <laughs> um, but but you know we really want to help out people in the industry. And and the two pieces of our business. One is cybersecurity consulting services, primarily pen testing. And the other is we build ranges for the Sands Institute. So you've heard of Net Wars. You've heard of the Holiday Hack Challenge. That is the CounterHack team doing that on behalf of the Sands Institute. And there's a nice feedback loop to that. The things that we learn in our penetration tests, we then create challenges for in Sands Cyber Ranges. Also, the things that we see people doing in Sands Cyber Ranges, it's like, well, gee, we should be trying that in our pen test because it's quite effective. So there's this, this uh, sort of virtuous cycle 
of those two pieces of, of Counterhack business. And we founded Counterhack back in 2010. So uh, we've been doing this, I guess, 13 years now. In fact, uh, June 18th, which is coming up soon, uh, as of this recording, uh, will be our 13th anniversary. Wow. wow. So, oh, congratulations. Fantastic. Great stuff. Yeah, and that's a great feedback loop. You know what that is? Um, you know, we have the early days of this industry. It's like, this is all about wizardry and artwork. Yeah. You know, like, oh, man, that clever person, you know, that tests me and gives me all these interesting results. And I'm not really sure what they're doing, but I don't have to pay them a lot, right? And they're very clever, I think. <laughs> but I'm really not sure. But turning this into, you know, everything, right, from the gaming, the testing, into uh, knowledge capture, you might say yes. in modern terms. How do I teach others, right? This is not about artwork. This is about professionalism. It and is. So the goal, again that we don't want to lose sight of is how we improve our enterprise. So, Sean, give me the CISO's view here. So, um, you know, and, and you and I have talked a, a lot about these kinds of topics, right? So this is part of your security improvement program or your Absolutely. process. So give me a little, you know, what do you hope to learn? What's your thinking as, is it the right time? Uh, what do you hope to learn? What what do you turn into, you know, a contractual matter between you and a company like this? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, really is, you know, it, it's Control 18. So we, okay. we, we've got to establish the foundation. Shameless plug for the <laughs> CIS uh, critical security controls. Well done, Sean. Uh, yep, thank you. Um, no, but ultimately it's the analysis, right? It's the gaps within the infrastructure. Is the organization as secure as I believe it to be? That needs to be tested. And again, I've got to take out the biases, the separation of duties, and engage an organization to truly assess that at the highest levels. And again, obviously, we partner uh, with CounterHack in that space to uh, give us that insight because I can believe ultimately that there is security, or in some cases, I, there's a potential weakness, but I need the skills necessary to come in, assess that approach. And really, I'll give you this other point as well. It helps build an internal red team perspective because I want to try and build that into the mindset of my organization, right? I want to build blue, purple, uh, really to start building elements that we can integrate. And ultimately, it gives us, um, we can sleep better at night with a, a fine report and it ultimately show me where the skeletons are because I want to make sure they're buried appropriately. I want to get those out of my environment. Gotcha. Yeah. So you so you have this, this sort of purpose in mind, right? Yep. You know, make sure that you're not blinded to your own gaps. Correct. That the the plan that you've been on for some period of time, you know, sort of holds up, right? Yep. To independent scrutiny. Okay. So that's our starting point, Ed. Sure. So so you're now in this discussion mm -hmm. with Sean. And what what do you do? What how'd you what's your so, response? So so you know what we try to do for our customers is based on what you just said earlier, Tony, is to demystify. You know, uh, John Strand, a very good friend of mine, says, you know, pen testing should not be about wizards doing wizardry to impress wizards. Um, fundamentally, it's there to help improve the state of security uh, in a very open fashion. Uh, Tom Liston did a presentation uh, at an event years ago. Tom worked for me up until about six months ago when he retired. Um, but he said the primary goal of penetration testing that most people overlook is actually education. It's, it's educating the customer into their own security stance and how it, how it operates under fire. Um, so, you know, we, we sit down with our customers up front and say, okay, you know, what are your concerns? What is your attack surface? What have you measured in the past? How can we measure you effectively? There's always a finite budget and we want to spend it on things that will actually, we're not there merely to check a box. We want, we want to actually measure your security and come up with areas uh, to verify that you're as safe as you think you are, and areas 
where maybe you're not because it hasn't been measured as much. Where are the skeletons in the closet so you can bury them? Um, that that awareness piece, that education piece, is fundamentally what we're about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of discussion implied in that, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not like, okay, I bring in wizards to test. You, you have to understand what is Sean measuring, right? That's right? What does he think is going on so that you can kind of go back and forth and figure out where to start the team. I think that's the way to think. And, and what is his business and okay. what are the risks? Because, you know, something that might be very risky for one kind of business is, is different for another one. So, you know, what do you really worry about? What do you care about? Mm -hmm. But it is a dialogue. It's back and forth. Have you considered this? And Sean opens our eyes to different ideas. He's like, hey, could you measure me this way? Well, gee, we, we could. We've never thought of that before. That's quite interesting. And then back and forth. Hey, we're doing this kind of project for some other organizations. You know, as a consultant, we're trying to cross-pollinate really good ideas that we see in different places. So over the last four or five years when we've been working together, Sean will come to me and say, hey, we'd like you to try this kind of thing. Have you ever done that? And sometimes we'll say, yes, we have for somebody else. And other times it's like, no. And Sean's like, well, you want to try it here? Yeah, let's give it a shot. Or we'll put something on the table. You know, one of the API things we were doing some analysis of. Uh, and Sean's like, hey, we're increasingly relying on those sets of APIs on the internet. Let's take a look at that. Um, so it is a discussion back and forth. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and I remember the early days, right? I, you know, some of the folks that would invite, for example, the red team to come visit them. It's almost as though they were afraid of the result. Oh, absolutely. I have a box to check or the boss wants yeah. to know or whatever. And you invite them in and you get this kind of standoffish oh, you know, attitude. And here we're talking about a very active discussion, right? Where Sean said, hey, I want to know. Let's, yeah. let's put it on the table. Yeah. And so that's a really different discussion, isn't it? And I think it's a, a good it's, sign. No, it's a great sign. I think that's the evolution of this. It's uh, you're not to be a, a gatekeeper in this space in terms of uh, security leadership, because ultimately, I think this is the effect is this. If it's a bad report, it reflects poorly on me. And it's, you know, that that's wrong thinking. Got to take the ego out of it. This is for the betterment of the business. So allowing an organization to come into and, you know, basically I say to Ed and his team, I said, the doors are open. What what do we want to do here? Uh, but, but you have to have management, process. right? Oh, absolutely. It's in sync with you. Absolutely. <laughs> that right. is not afraid, right? It's not no. a test of you. Correct. It's a test of their risk management. And Correct. So the results really matter. Oh, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, you're going to ask for their support, their investment. Absolutely. Et and okay. th this is a really big deal, what you guys are talking mm -hmm. about here, because um, we, see, we have many different customers. Um, and the conversation we're having right now differs depending on the maturity of that customer, but also the level of person that we're talking to. When the customer is very mature and we're talking with the CISO, the conversations are like this, okay? When the customer is less mature, um, they're looking for us to do our assessment so that they can take the findings and fix them. Mm -hmm. um, or and, and that also applies maybe for a more mature company where we're dealing with lower level people in the security practice. Uh, for those, it's less strategic and more tactical. Um, and we do that kind of work. I mean, it's fine work for very good organizations, but I am seeing this sort of striation of our different customers. If we're talking with the CISO of a very mature organization versus less mature and also lower on the totem pole thing. And it comes yeah. to findings too. Yeah. You know, we'll have findings and we present them to Sean and he's like, okay, we'll fix them. Or we'll accept the risk. Sometimes you do, right? Whereas when we're dealing with other folks that are less mature, maybe on the lower end of the uh, totem pole in practice, uh, you know, we'll, we'll label something medium risk finding. The negotiation starts. You know, maybe that's really low risk. Well, actually, we kind of think it's medium risk. Well, you know, medium risk we have to take action on in 60 days, and we can't act on that one in 60 days. 
Whereas the CISO can say, okay, I can extend the 60 days or I can get the resources to fix things within the 60 days. But when you lower on the totem pole or you're less mature, it becomes a whole different discussion. Now, we do say to our customers this. We'll say, look, you're paying us to give you our impression of what we think the risk of a given finding is. You're not paying us to lie to you. That said, you know your business better than we do. So if we say something is medium risk and you come back and say, you know, honestly, that's low risk. Tell us why. Convince us. I mean, if you can convince me so, of course I'm going to change it to low risk. If you can't convince me, I have to, as a matter of integrity, put into my report, we consider this medium risk. I'll even add to it that you consider it low risk. And I might even write, you might be right. But, <laughs> yes. but, but still, you're not paying me to lie to you. You're paying me for my, you know, professional opinion. And as a matter of integrity, I have to tell you what I think. Oftentimes, we will adjust it, though, as we better understand the risk in light of the customer's practices and so forth. But we can't just roll over on that. That's a whole different conversation. We've never had a conversation like that where you've asked us to adjust the risk. No. Because you're at a different level of maturity and a different level of the organization and, right. and well-resourced by your management. Yeah. No, and that's a, it's a great uh, theme there, Ed. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you're trying to get uh, improvement, right? You're supporting an improvement program. I remember the, again, back, if, for, forgive another old guy story. Uh, so the, uh, the the NSA red team at the time you know, would show up at these sites, deliver a really clever wizardry report, mm -hmm. and leave away, you know, brushing their hands because they have no responsibility to fix it. What I, what I told them, every, again, the, the context was sort of DOD, uh, military bases, places like that. I said, every one of them has some wizard on site, you know, often a trusted contractor. And, you know, you can come in as the pros from Dover, and then you walk away and they either get to support your work or make fun of it, make light of it. But that person is critical to actually getting things fixed. And if they're any good at all, and most were very good, they actually know what needs to get fixed. So you need, when you do the scouting trip, go make a friend, mm -hmm. find that person, right? Who really feels ownership because, and to let them know, you know, we're probably going to find a lot of stuff that you, you know, and we're here to help you make the case for, the resources, the time, the top cover, whatever you need. Because if you don't do that, then when you leave, they're still the hero there, right? They count on that person to, to keep things running, you know, in a complicated, dynamic, and often dangerous environment. So you gotta find that person. But it's all about getting things fixed. Yep, and a partnership to achieve that. Yeah, yeah. Like, so tell me about this. So you mentioned, you, you know, this is not your first rodeo here with mm -hmm. us at CIS, right? So, That's right. So there's an up and, and downside to that, right? Sort of, mm -hmm. you have knowledge now on the second or the third time that you didn't have previously. So you can mm -hmm. put it into context. But, you know, Sean, the trade-off is, you know, you have a view of security and you want, you're trying to bring independence, right? So tell me about that sort of trade-off between bringing someone back sure. and taking advantage of that knowledge, but yeah. then also, you know, how you maintain independence. No, I think the, the independence is very important and that's why we have different penetration testers' perspectives that come in from Ed's team and, okay. and give us, uh, you know, that element of different differentiation, as it were, in terms of the approach. But when Ed says, you know, we look at the business, he now has a context for what CIS is trying to do. And then we're in, you know, constant communication in terms of, why, you know, we're moving in this direction. There's changes to underlying business processes. There's new technologies. Ultimately, there's new vulnerabilities being identified on a daily basis that we need to assess. And so that, that allows an element of differentiation itself is that there's a new technique, there's a new tactic. We want to bring that into the organization. And 
I'll say the advantageous portion of having a consistent approach to penetration. One, we know the quality that's coming into the organization, right? We've, we've been able to build that rapport and also it allows us to be, I think, and to your point, Ed, is for a respective maturity of an organization or a respective position, it allows us to kind of have that banter to say, you know, here's some new ideas or, you know, there's nothing holding me back to say, Ed, I think there's a, an approach we've missed and we're allowed to then, mm-hmm. you know, explore that together. And I think you, you don't get that from a year one necessary statement of work, right? right. You kind of, each of you are testing the waters as it were, both from the business and from the uh, external consultant perspective. Yeah. yeah. And, and we do try to vary the personnel we'll put, you yep. know, we might have somebody look at a given web app one year and then the following year have a different person focus on that same web app. Um, my team has commented to me many times though about, Center for Internet Security, gosh, they're getting harder and harder every (laughs) year. And that's a good thing because what breaks your heart as a pen tester is when you do a pen test of a customer, say one year, and then you follow it up a year later and you have the same findings. I mean, look, you have findings. That's good. But when they didn't react to your first, especially if they're high risk or even medium risk, um, and then you wonder, what's the value of what I'm actually doing here? Well, we don't face that at Center for Internet Security. We'll have some findings, and then we come back the next year, they're gone, and it's like harder to dig every year, which is good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I once joked with the NSA Red team uh, and the Blue team also. I said, I, I want you to give me every year, who was the hardest target last yeah. year? Because yeah. there's something to be learned there, mm-hmm. right? That, uh, and again, the goal is not to test our way to greatness. The goal is to learn from and improve, right? And if you see a problem in one area, one base, one military setting, you're almost certainly going to see similar problems in yeah. every other one. So let's let's yeah. not test our way. Let's learn and then put, drive those. And I'm, I'm that's that's a really profound insight. And I'm also hearing from our team, you know, because we're a small team, as I mentioned, and we hire you know very senior people. They really feel bad and kind of take it personally if they can't find some major vulnerability. They are really motivated. But sometimes there's there's nothing to be found or it's a really well protected, you know, given element in the environment. Um, but they do push themselves. And I read every report that my team does. And uh, I know they're very sheepish sometimes to send the report to me unless they can squeeze out some significant finding. And I also brag about them when, when you know, I'll say, you know, Josh Wright found this or JJ found that or Chris LG did this. Um, I can't give the specifics of the customer where they found it. But sure. when my team uncovers something really major, I get all excited about it. And I talk to people about it. Mm-hmm. And they want to be on the list of what I'm talking about. And yeah. Yeah. Sometimes when they have a really solid customer there's less opportunities for getting on ed's bragging list you know yeah, yeah. oh that's that's wonderful yeah um, one of the other things we did back in the day was uh, sponsor the you know one of the pioneering activities the hacking contest among the military academies oh yeah oh, you know, we were the host and the yeah. red team and all that stuff and the red team was actually composed of folks brought in across you know the reserves and other places to to go against the military academies but i forget which i think it was a navy captain that brought tr- the tradition and they're all by design they were basically all operating in parallel in the same room. I was an observer and oh, I yeah. watched those things. I loved it. It was so much fun. Every so, year I drive down to yeah. see it. So at one yeah. point, yeah. I believe it was a Navy tradition, someone brought in a, a bell on the stand, right? And the notion was, if you had a breakthrough against one of the academies, you got to run over to ring the bell. Nice. And the whole room erupts and they want to know what happened and it's the excitement and the, you know, the camaraderie. People 
forget that the red teamers, the penetration testers, right? They're human too. And there's the thrill of the chase and the, and the camaraderie and the, what did you do? Could I learn, you know, maybe that applies over here. And just to see that, that was so much fun. As you said, we get to walk around. I also had the opportunity to, I was the advisor to the Air Force Graduate School. So we always, and they participated as a graduate school against the undergraduate academies, but I would arrange it so that the advisory board to the Air Force Graduate School would get to walk through the team that was under attack by the NSA Red Team. So I'd do it kind of back, I get to see both sides, you know, in consecutive days. And just to get that sort of excitement and to, to see, for me, the thrill was seeing future military leaders yeah. actually care about this stuff, yeah. right? To see the importance and to, so forth. I would always go up to West Point, yeah. I mean, for five, six years in a row, maybe two, three weeks before the event, and just say, hey, what's your strategy? Yeah. What's your tactics? What are you planning on? And I'd spend a day with them just kind of brainstorming through, you know, how to approach what we knew about the challenge for the given year. Yeah, and good for you. Yeah, wow. That was always so much fun. And looking for future military leaders. I could see who was asking the best questions. And, uh, yeah, it was it was very refreshing to do that. Yeah. So, so the test has started. So I, I got to observe you guys actually walking around a bit here. Yes. So, so tell me about the, I'll call it, so what I observed was, active management of the testing, right? You're, you're not, okay, contract is signed, go off and do it and give me the results and we'll talk about it. You're actively involved. So tell me about this sort of the oversight or how, your perspective. Yeah. So it, so the, the signing of the contract doesn't mean the discussion. Exactly. Is it's, it's not it's, signing it's and then starting. waiting for the report. Yeah, exactly. So no. I, and again, I think, I'm not sure, I believe that would vary, but I'm just uh, passionate about this type of work as well. So I'm, I'm learning myself in terms of uh, working with the team, but there is active management in, in terms of we meet daily, uh, you know, at least on site. And as we're doing reports that may be external and remote, we're constantly in communication. And, and that's really two things. One, did we find anything serious that we, we need to solve now? And the other is, uh, again, building that element of camaraderie, but also being able to provide direction because it may be, we've hit a dead end here. Um, okay, I, I think there's another opportunity. Why don't we talk about this element of the assessment as well? And it, it's, and I think ultimately that leads to a stronger relationship um, because it's one, I'm able to at least contribute to some element of the effort. But to it's, you know, there, there's no fear of, hey, I've got to talk to Sean. We, we've, we want to talk about this. There's uh, an opportunity here um, that we want to go down. Let's, rules of engagement didn't really cover it, but are we good to go? Absolutely. Let's move in that direction. And, and so it gives us um, control, but it also gives us uh, a great communication channel to constantly push the, uh, the agenda of what we're working on. And uh, for me, that's what it's all about because it's, um, I'd rather... Ed and his team find it than anybody else. So that, sure. that's the no, that's what I'm looking answer. for. So, Ed, so tell me about Thank the flip you. side of that, right? So you're sure. now in this ongoing redirect, you know, multiple touch points with your with your customer. Here. Yeah. So we, um, it varies. It really does. Uh, some customers want to be involved in the process. Uh, regular updates, like daily updates, we like that. That's really good. It helps direct us. We're providing more value. There's more education, right? That's that's the ideal. But some some people are just too busy for that. Mm -hmm. So some people say, hey, you know, twice a week, can we sync up? Uh, sometimes it's just once a week during active testing. We recommend really at least once a week. We should talk. We might find something big or at least so that we can sync up and understand the business implications of what we find. Then there's also the mechanism by which you do that. Um, you know, should it be, obviously if it's you know, on-site test, face-to-face, -face, you can just sit in a conference room. But what if it's not? So much of our work post-COVID is remote. 
vast majority of it is. Um, so there's conference calls, there's, you know, web conferencing systems and such. And uh, I think this goes back maybe five, six years ago, Slack. So our team before that used Silk because it's all encrypted or Jabber with SSH tunnels because it's all encrypted. You know, very sensitive information we're discussing. And, you know, the question came up from the team, can we use Slack to communicate? And I said, no, at first, we are not using Slack. I just don't trust it enough. And then I relented a little bit and said, okay, we'll use Slack, but not to discuss pen tests. No findings. We can use Slack to be friends and talk about interesting articles and maybe, yeah. you know, OSINT stuff that's all open, but, but not to discuss pen test activities. Then some of our customers say it, said, would you set up a Slack channel for us to discuss the test while it's underway? It's just the most efficient way for us to interact. And I'm like, okay, you know, we'll do that. And several of our customers want to have a Slack channel with us that's shared so we can communicate with them on a real-time integrated basis. Um, so my hesitation on Slack, not that I know of any zero days or anything, you know, inside of it, um, has waned over time. And, and now many of our customers we're interacting with in real time in Slack or a conference call or something like that. But uh, we do want to have those touch points regularly, at least once a week, Ideally, if the customer is open to it once a day, but some of them are just too busy. Okay, and you know, as you play, so one of the things we had to deal with back in the day, um, the, the authority that you had to do the testing. Mm -hmm. You know, again, it was it's different when you're in government and you're dealing with potentially classified or other types of information. But are, are there any sort of uh, showstoppers, or if you see something like this, stop, right, because of either risk to the business or uh, access to maybe uh, personal data that yep. you know that shouldn't be available to the team. Any of those kind of things. Absolutely, there's all there's a whole whole class of things in that. I mean, obviously, major vulnerability, mm -hmm. um, potential exposure of sensitive data. The other one is you you get in and you find out. You know, I call it the system was pre-owned. Somebody was there before gotcha. you. It was already owned, mm -hmm. and uh, that's a big big issue. You get into a system. We're not doing forensics once we get in, but sometimes you look around and say, hey, somebody's mm. broken through these gates before we were here. You know, that stop the test right there. Let's make some phone calls and figure out what's going on. So you always have to have that ability to say, hey, we've got a major condition right now. We have to talk immediately. Um, thankfully, that doesn't come up all the time. But in addition to the regular cadence of daily or biweekly or once a week communication, you need that Hey, you know, break glass in case of emergency. We need to talk. Yeah, man, that's you know, it's part of the the conversation and having the right kind of relationship. So, without revealing any deep dark secrets about weaknesses at the Center for Internet Security, have you ever dealt with that kind of thing as the, you know, as the, oh, uh, the owner of the task and, and how, what yeah, tell us no, about absolutely. sort of how you manage that interaction with the test? Oh, sure. I, I mean, it depends on the severity that comes through. Um, but whenever we either through phone call or anything like, and we've had none in that space um, that we've needed to figure out, but Our thank goodness, exactly. Um, but what we would do in that time is uh, basically it's all hands on deck. They know what's going on. So the organization, myself, IT, respective stakeholders are aware that there's a penetration test going on. So if then, you know, I do the break glass and say, okay, here's the underlying issue. You know, that's incident response. We manage that uh, uh, respective uh, capability. Is it a configuration issue? Is it pre-owned? Is it, um, you know, th there's an underlying exposure that's leading you to, you may not know, 
what is going on in this environment because it's so either wide open or there's uh, not enough telemetry coming out of it to make a good decision. We've been hitting it all day. You've not told us anything. You know, one of the things I also like to do, and, and this is talking about the back-to-back -back communication, is when I receive an alert, I send that immediately over to the team. Hey, we caught you. Here it is. You don't need to continue down that path or change the necessary tactic that you're applying um, in some form or fashion. And that allows, again, it's all about value. So again, we found one thing that doesn't work. It's, you know, the Edison, we, you know, we yeah. found a thousand ways of not getting in it, but I need to find that one way so that I can make sure that we're- And there's value to that. Protected. And what you're describing essentially yeah. is it's purple teaming, exactly. right? I mean, you're telling us in real time what you're seeing that helps sharpen us, and we hope we're helping to sharpen Absolutely. you. Sharpen yeah. you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Out of curiosity, Sean, tell me yep. a about your interaction with the IT folks here at hmm. the center. All right. So the the sort of classical model was red teaming yep. the world I grew up in meant the operators didn't know you were coming. All right. So decision makers have decided we need to test ourselves, but we don't tell the operators. And the idea was to sort of have this independence or this you know as is, as opposed to okay, well I know test is coming, I better. Know, take take some steps to sort of protect uh, the, the dusty corners of my enterprise. But you know what you're describing is a much more open conversation. But tell me about IT and sort of yeah, how, how no, you, absolutely. Your relationship so we actually vary. Okay. So in some cases, some years, I do want to test incident response and timing of respective identification of an alert and getting it up to either my level or through an incident responder with on my team. Um, so I like to test that. Um, they're not always happy because they, you know, they think we're being attacked and, right. uh, oh, it's just a pen test. Don't worry about it. Yeah, we've got it. We're all <laughs> so Why didn't you tell us? I, yeah, well, I tested your response and you did well. Fantastic. Well done. Um, and then other years I'd let them know. Yeah, they're coming in uh, this week. But the reason to let them know is um, let's put everything on the table. What are your concerns? Where do you believe the risks exist? Let's test. Uh, and in some cases, there's an underlying hypothesis. Oh, I think we're good here. And I I do not like when people say, I think this is what we've got. So I say, okay, well, we I'm will find out. I'm feeling good about exactly. this one. Exactly. Yes. exactly. Oh, my gosh. So I say, okay, well, we're not going to think anymore. We're going to have it tested, and okay. then we'll know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, again, I don't want to be that guy, but you have to, you can't think about these things. If, if it's there, it's there. If it's not, then we've got a gap and it needs to be assessed. And if that's a true risk, then we need to appropriately uh, fill that risk. And, and it goes back to one thing Ed said, and I, I give his pen testers just a hard time. We've got that from Radri <laughs> now. It's in a good way. It's in, in a great way. In a great way. It's um, So whenever they find something, I say, okay, well, next year. It, it's not going to be there and it's going to be even harder for you to get in. Yep. So I always challenge them. I say, this is the next level. It, and it, that, and I think that's the longevity piece. Mm -hmm. And again, we mentioned differentiation and it's different pen testers, but we've, uh, that, that's always the challenge. And it, it helps because it is, you know, there is that element of ringing the bell, right? Ringing Sean, bell. here we go. Ding, ding, ding. And steel sharpens steel, exactly. right? On both sides. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, it's, uh, Love it. You know, again, this, this idea of, this is a part of a process, right? Exactly. The goal at the end of the day is not to embarrass anybody or to be, yeah. you know, to be the heroes coming in from outside and yes. you know wiping your hands as you walk away. But you, you know, the best case is where we where we're t discussing, right? We we want it to be tougher every time. Absolutely. We're different every time, and this is about learning. You have to have the right kind of though. I'll say management support, right? Absolutely. The leadership that sort of sees it that way, uh, and you have to present it that way. This is part of our process. And we will learn, right? We're paying good money to learn, and that learning will help drive 
our next steps in security improvement. Tony, what you say there is is really so vital. I, I have a canned speech in my head okay. that I do all the time. When I have a customer and we're working with their technical staff and I sense that there's sort of a standoffish mm -hmm. kind of thing, they think sometimes that we're there to catch their mistakes mm -hmm. or to make them look bad. And I need to diffuse that because that's not what it's all about. So here's my canned speech. It's like, look, I understand where you're coming from, but we actually have the same goals. We do. The goal is for your organization to be more secure. That's why we're here. That's why you're there, right? So we're not here to play gotcha or make you look bad. In fact, we're a tool that you can leverage to help get the resources you need for that goal of making you more secure. So think of us that way, because you probably know some stuff. We're not here to embarrass you. We're not here to make you look bad. We're a tool to get resources to improve the state of security. And that helps. I mean, still sometimes they're a little like, oh, who's this guy? What, you know, mm -hmm. What's this all about? Absolutely. But um, just to try to say we're on the same team. We're not yeah. adversarial. No, that's, you could say we're adversary emulation, okay, but, but we're not adversarial. That's right. Exactly. Now, this idea that I mentioned, the example of, you know, for the red team, go, go find that person. Mm -hmm. Every place I was at, they've got some crackerjack that really knows what's going on. Yeah. And they're frustrated because they can't get the resources or the boss doesn't have the patience for the changes that will happen. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's how things will happen, right? right? Long after the team is gone, there's Sean, there's the IT folks, and they're going to have to take the information and build upon it. So, so this, that's you know this is a, but there are going to be cases where the management isn't that supportive, mm -hmm. right? True. Yes. They they really do treat it as a test. I don't know if you've ever been in that management situation, Sean. You have. Yes. So tell us about that. Yeah. So this was the problem. It was yeah. complete. Um, so the value was undermined because ultimately the lead in that space saw it as a. Uh, they were being tested. Yeah. So if my program is weak or there's any identified vulnerability, that's on me. I don't want it to be that way. And and so what had happened is the respective scope was, I mean, down to a pin, you know, the head of a pin. Don't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Let's narrow and this down to a test we exactly, can pass. <laughs> exactly. And that's what it was. Yeah. And, you know, you go to them and you say, um, you know, we're paying good money uh, for this. And all it is is to uh, make us look good. I think this is where we want to look bad. And and, and that was just a reflection. Mm -hmm. It's not looking bad, but it's, I gotta understand where my risk, where my vulnerability, where my exposures are. Sure. And they, they didn't get it. It was, well, um, it, it's not happening on my watch. That was the words. <laughs> and I was, okay, then, then we'll move forward with what you've, but I mean, no internal, no account, yeah. um, just external. Here's the ports. I mean, it was literally down so to, limited you, in you know, we could have run it with Nmap and got the results and put it nice into a piece of paper yeah. and walked yeah. away. They're looking so, to check a box. Exactly. Yeah, so it's, so it's you talked about your mission, right? You want to do work that with people that you love, love working with, yeah, yeah. which includes the customer. So have you ever bumped into that or ever have turned down yeah. work that uh, you thought yes. is not going to head the right way? Yeah, because the scope is, is just way too narrow. You're mm -hmm. looking simply to check the box. Now, we there's a sampling error. Most of the customers that come to our organization are looking for sure. some really okay. intense pen testing. Right. But occasionally somebody will ask us about something and the scope is so narrow or we get a sense that you know they're not really focused on improving their state of security. It's just checking the box. And I'm kind of the king of no bid. It's like, you know, that, that project's not for us. That gotcha. doesn't make sense because um, we we want to meaningfully help improve the state of security. I do think there's value, though, in measuring things so that you can say, hey, we measured that and it failed. One of the things we put in our report a lot, and I'm sure, Sean, you see this yeah. in the reports that we send to you, we'll say we tried this and this and this. It didn't work or it was blocked this way. 
a positive finding. And when I'm reading these reports, I love when I can see a positive finding, a positive. Okay. Now, we don't enumerate the positive findings as like a finding section unto itself. Mm -hmm. But as we're going through describing what we did, we'll say, this was a positive finding. This was a positive finding. This is another positive finding. And part of that is it's a spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down, as Mary Poppins used to say. Mm -hmm. So I like when there's some of that sugar in, in the report, even if the security was pretty lousy. This is not Center for Internet Security, but if the security was pretty bad, we try to put some positive findings in there because they did something. You know, the network didn't crash while we were testing. Hey, there's a finding. <laughs> it's a positive finding. And it's not always true. Right? It's not always true. <laughs> exactly. So, so sometimes we're digging for a okay. little bit of sugar okay. to put in with the medicine. Um, but I, I do want to see that in all of our reports. Tell us something good that they did um, because we want to reinforce that good. We, we want them to keep doing the good stuff True. and then to help, you know, improve on the others. At the end of the, the job, you find yourself in conversation with a presentation to the equivalent of Sean's boss. You know, so to the, to the, Sometimes. To the senior most leadership. And is that, is that the focus of the, you know, how, do you, how do you present that? Or what's the, so we, we do they go through positive findings. So, you know, sometimes we'll present for boards of directors. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we'll present for, you know, CEO of the organization. Um, and... You know, their, their look is, of course, very strategic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how did we get into the state? It's not just the, the findings themselves, fine, uh, fix them. But how did they come about in the first place? Mm -hmm. And how can we make sure they don't come about again? Which I think is, is the right conversation to have, yeah. right? It's, it's not about you found these things, patch them up, we're done. Exactly. It's how can we improve our processes? How can we improve our technical understanding? H how do we make what you did not repeatable yeah. by changing our own internal so that, stuff. And that's the right answer, I think, right? Yeah. People think, oh, I'll have these folks hack me. They'll give me a list. I fix fix the list. We're good, right? Done. Yeah. But every one of those right, is is typically a symptom of some deeper problem. Right. right? The failure to that's manage right. uh, configuration overall, you know, yes. or poor management of administrative privilege, those kinds of things. Or so something context. in the software development cycle, yeah, too, excellent. right? You know, mm -hmm. your, your web app developers or mobile developers, yeah. API developers have made a mistake. How do we ensure that mistake doesn't happen again? Okay. Exactly. Yeah, the model we discussed back in my day was, I called it a security sampling, mm -hmm. right? We're pulling samples. We're not, we, we can't uh, analyze the entire environment every time, but you could pull meaningful samples yes. and the samples allow you to draw conclusions. We do have a problem in our development cycle that we could, by improvements here, we could prevent these problems from appearing later in the operational so that's a, and that's the right way. And that's, that's strategy, right? That's, that's where you want to converse with the board. It is, yeah. Where you want to get the resources directed to the right, right place. And you know something that helps with that that we're doing quite often now is source-assisted pen tests for, say, web applications or APIs or, or mobile environments where the customer gives us access to the source code. It is not a source code review. Okay. We're very clear on that. That's very expensive, time-consuming. Mm -hmm. um, so instead, say we're doing a web app pen test. Can you give us access to the source code? And what we'll do is we'll hack something looking for, and we'll find it, cross-site scripting, okay. SQL injection, whatever it is. Then we can go into the source code, find out where that vulnerability is. That helps us be more efficient to pinpoint to the customer, hey, the, the flaw is here. But then we can start looking through the code to see if that same flaw is replicated elsewhere. Much more efficiently than if we try to hack it and find it elsewhere. That's a, that's a great example, Ed, because Again, you know, a test is always inherently limited, right? It is. By dwell yeah. time or the skill of the people that you put on it. Budget. But guess what? Many times adversaries are more patient than that. <laughs> so they might not be limited by the week or month or whatever time is on the test. And so, and that's always been a, a trick, right? That's how do I meaningfully 
emulate the adversary, mm-hmm. right? Do I start with no knowledge? And that was kind of the approach, you know, in my day. It was like, well, we deliberately don't want to know because you know, we don't want to be accused of cheating is what it came down to. Yeah, yeah. I said, but you know, for, for certain nations, I'm pretty sure there's an entire room full of people who do nothing but track certain targets all the time. That's right. Year round. Yeah. Right. So the assumption that there's no knowledge to start with is not a good emulation of the adversary. I've, I've been in final presentations where our team is going over some of the stuff that we found. And, you know, it has happened one time. A guy raised his hand in the presentation okay. room. Senior management's there. Also, you know, the tech staff. And the guy said, well, you cheated. You know, there you go. and I, I, I would present this for my class, my SANS class on pen testing. And I always say when somebody raises their hand and says, you cheated in your mind, don't get get upset. Don't mm-hmm. get your back up. What that person has said to you is you have defeated me. Congratulations on your victory. Mm-hmm. Please show me how what you did an actual adversary could do as yeah. well. And then you're proving that you haven't cheated because an adversary could do this too if they oh. had more time, budget, access, whatever. And by the way, adversaries exactly. like cheat and steal all the time. They oh, cheat all the right. time. We exactly. can't cheat. I mean, they do. Exactly. Yeah, but but yeah. so just think of you cheated as, hey, you have bested me. Congratulations. Explain to me how this was fair. Yeah, and I think exactly. that that's part of the trick that you have, right? And yeah. you're trying to put to this. Uh, at the end of the day, you're helping the the enterprise assess its risk. Correct. Right, which includes things like likelihood. Right, exactly. adversary behavior, and so you have to kind of integrate all these variables. Oh, absolutely! So, Bring so, in our threat model. Um, sure. Who who do we look think is attacking us from a respective threat model perspective? Yeah. Looking at the APTs, so we engage that, share it with the team. Here's where here's the and tactics that we've seen. Just as an observer of your uh, work, Sean, yeah. then that conversation did not start with the penetration testing results, right? No, you built up that Correct. model and that discussion with your leadership with the board over yes. time. Absolutely. Right. To help them sort of put this risk in context. Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like you say, you're planting a seed of these elements and now it's just the fruition. And okay. again, given the maturity of the relationship and the partnership, I call it what we have yeah. is, um, you know, we're able to now flourish. And going back to one of your previous points, it was the late, great Alan Palo. When I first was here, had the mm-hmm. first pen test, he says, well, you need to root cause analysis, all of this, right? Uh, Absolutely. We're going to go back through and figure out where the actual issue was. So again, Alan's influence just making us better. I love how he always used to ask questions that were profound, yeah. but also and and obvious in retrospect, but never in exactly. you know, foresight. Exactly. And uh, and sometimes it requires some serious thinking to answer his questions. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, all good. But this, you know, this, this uh, shift in the industry, and I think, again, the, you know, for our listeners, the, the intent here was to give an example of this the plan, right? This is part of a bigger plan. The conversation that goes on between, you know, the uh, the responsible person here at the company, our CISO, and the service provider, right? The information creator here, I think. So, so tell for our audience, uh, Sean, a little bit more on. So, what do useful findings look like to you? Oh, sure. What are the kinds of things that you get from Ed's teams? Yeah, easy. It's actionable. It is. You know, these are. Findings and, and again, respectfully, other organizations and other agencies providing these types of services is um, some feel like a vulnerability scan report is enough to provide. And it's, you know, ultimately it just gets shredded. I could have done that myself, right. to be honest. Right. Um, so what we find, one, is action. Two, is here's the methodology that was applied okay. in terms of exploiting or uh, managing this underlying uh, issue. Uh, and then the recommendations. 
Uh, it allows us one to then build. And uh, again, just a testament to, to Counterhack and Ed's team is, um, you know, if you want to get on a call and we can walk you through this, no problem. You, you just mm -hmm. let us know. We're, we're there to support you fixing this. Okay. ultimately making it harder on them in the future. Um, but it, that's, I mean, that's what it's all about. But it's its the actionable. I can't do anything with a vulnerability scan that says, okay, go upgrade these things. It, it's, okay, that, that's just part of my normal configuration process. It just yeah. wasn't in this patch cycle at this point, right? And this was, again, uh, back to the old days, as it were. Um, so, and I'll just give a quick example just to the audience is, Living through those old days is why I'm here now doing it this way uh, because it was zero value. There was right. there was no improvement. And so if I can't see actionable improvement, so I've, I've gone through, we've, we've identified these issues, we've implemented them, root cause analysis, we figured out what the underlying issue was, we've improved the underlying business process. If I can't do that through necessarily being aware that these issues exist, I shouldn't be in the seat. I shouldn't have the title. I should not be here. I should not be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. But so it's, you know, kind of having to go through that wickedness, as it were, in the past has led me to um, being able to do this type of work. And I think, you know, ultimately, um, when I get to, you know, share the same microphone and uh, table with you guys is... Uh, we should be doing something right, and uh, hopefully, it's uh, no, a better right. way of approaching. I think uh, if you if you find the word play here, right, you you have to exhibit a different kind of vulnerability. Yes, yes. as a human being, as a CISO, to be open exactly. to, to putting this on the table, yeah. right? With the again, the notion of the greater good is served here, not by protecting your reputation, but by being open to what the findings are. So, all right, so Ed, your really your side of that interesting that perspective on that. So. Um, you know, in our reporting, we include a detailed methodology section, which is not boilerplate. It is sort of, if you were sitting beside our pen tester, here's what we did step by step to make it more real uh, to, to the CISO or the person reading it, um, so that you know we did what we did. And, and we are open to doing demos and such for that, but we really spend a lot of time and effort on the methodology section so you can see what really happened and it makes sense to you. Um, the other thing is the recommendation that you talked about before. And like I said, I read all of my team's reports, every single one that goes out. Uh, I love reading their reports. I, they, they laugh at me because I always say, hey, if you can get me the report on Friday, I'll read it over the weekend. Because I love reading pen test reports on the weekend. Saturday, I got a few extra hours here or there. Sunday, you know, it's nice. Um, but I will very often write on their reports because I, I mark them up in red. Um, try to be nice about it. But sometimes in the recommendation section, I'll say, what? I'll just write, what do we want them to do? Because I'll read what they put in there. And it's like, if I was Sean, I wouldn't know what to do. I mean, that's all very interesting, what you've written. But right. what do I do? And then sometimes they'll come back and say, well, we don't know. All right, then. <laughs> we got to figure this out. We are the consultant. They're paying. Because sometimes it's hard. It's like, this is a vulnerability. I'm sorry, the protocol sucks. It's just broken. And you can't replace it. All right, is there other ways we can mitigate this? Maybe there's some, or even detect if somebody's trying to attack it. Mm. Sometimes the actual defenses are really, really hard. Sometimes they're not, and we just, we're kind of, you know, we need to think about it more carefully, but okay. sometimes they're hard. So how do we do this? And I circle that to the team. I also think having the team being able to collaborate, we do try to assign at least two testers to each project. We can't always do that. Sometimes the budget for the given project is too small, so it's just one person. 
But even then, we want them to be able to collaborate with the rest of the team um, so that you're pulling all the expertise. Hey, I'm seeing this thing here. It doesn't make sense to me. So you want to have a, a channel where they can share information. The other thing that we've done yeah. recently is Josh Wright. He is kind of my right-hand person on the team. Just an amazing guy. Um, if you go back six months or more before in at CounterHack, Josh was doing a lot of pen testing. Um, he still is doing some pen testing, but increasingly he is now acting as an advisor or counselor to all the other folks. Yeah. Um, I got a uh, I got a call from him maybe three four months ago where he said, "Look, I'm." I'm stressed. I'm really busy. So I said, okay, let's figure out a way we can restructure your job so you're still providing great value but aren't so stressed. And uh, we came up with this idea that what if you were an advisor to all of the pen tests that CounterHack is doing and not actually doing the individual pen tests? And it's been a watershed for, for our company. He's, hmm. he's enjoying it more and our guys are accomplishing more at a higher value over time. So the collaboration on our, our part within is providing more value to the customers. Thanks. Um, especially on that, yeah. formulating the methodologies, making sure they're sound, and then making the recommendations meaningful to the customer. When you were saying that stuff, Sean, it's like, I'm glad you perceive <laughs> that because we spend a lot of time sure. and a lot of your money trying to deliver that to you. Exactly. It's expensive. And yep. part of the, what, again, part of professionalizing our, our business, right, is this consistency. Yeah. You know, I have a notion of what methodology looks like and can replicate that over time. The other thing that you mentioned there, and... Uh, Again, when, in the early days, there was sort of the people that could point out these problems, right? The red teamers and so forth. And they would dutifully give lovely recommendations. Hey, you want to stop us next time? Uh, Microsoft patch number, blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah, blah. And what I found was there was a huge language barrier, right? The people that are going to fix the problem actually speak a different language. And they have a different set of tools. And they're, you know, they're managing enterprises. And it turned out, I actually looked at this once, no one on our red team had ever managed a network that would, bigger than would fit on this table. Mm. Right. Yeah. That's not why we hire them. We don't train them to that. Right. It's mm -hmm. an entirely different language yep. and understanding and tool set to repair and manage than it was to fix. And so part of this, and you know, there was a notion of independence, right? This cherished independent look. But then you're robbing yourself of the, yeah, but what do I do about it? Is mm -hmm. a really different question. Root cause analysis. How do I do this at enterprise scale across a large distributed environment? And so if you don't bring people together, right, either in the company, you've got a range of skills that you could apply, or you have the, the kind of relationship that says, you know, we're handing this off to people that know what to do with these problems, then you never get the result that you want. Right? Yeah. And so I think that, that's, but let me, let me um, in the interest of time, Ed, uh, any advice for the less mature companies that are approaching you or someone like you, right, to really get value from this? If, if they're a little past the I need to check the box phase, right. but they're not sure how to, how to make best use of. What would be your advice to them as a customer? So think about your most rapidly changing attack surface, the one that is has been tested the least mm -hmm. and that is most likely to have vulnerabilities and have them focus on that. Now, because you got to focus somewhere, right? So start with identifying an attack surface that is likely rich with vulnerabilities and then reach out to a firm that is good at that kind of testing. Um, and when you get the results, look at their methodology and their recommendations and see how you can apply them across what they found, but also across what they didn't look at yet. I mean, that's how you, that's, you're dragging yourself to more maturity okay. by doing that. Um, but to use the pen test, not as a checklist or not even as a, hey, these are the flaws that they found, fix them 
and we're done. No, use them as example flaws to drive your own maturity forward. Gotcha. Because essentially you're trying to kind of jumpstart your, your maturity. All right, there. so the results are in that context of yeah. maturation process. All right, so Sean, mm-hmm. so again, some listeners might say, hey, you guys are a security company. You're, you're paranoid anyway. Right. right. And you have the right management and all that kind of stuff. But any advice you have for those that are on the same journey that maybe don't have the same level of either yeah. resources or security concern that, that we do, but but they're really uh, are trying to make an honest effort to make sure. best use of penetration testing as a tool. Yeah, no, I love the honest effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's uh, okay. really opening in yourselves up to look at vulnerabilities. You mentioned, you know, where's the threat coming from in the respective environment, in mm-hmm. your industry, vertical, whatever that happens to be. Uh, and, you know, work with the respective uh, consultant, the penetration testers. Okay. What is the ultimately you want to see in the statement of work? How are you going to manage that rules of engagement to allow some dynamicism in terms of the approach so that if something is found that we've got, there's extra layers that we can go to. And it's really, I think, uh, you know, kind of breaking down those silos and just, you know, having an honest conversation and really okay, setting so the tone. So the first step when they, when they find someone or Correct. as they look for someone yes. is to someone who's in that conversation, right? Correct. who wants to engage, absolutely. who shows that sort of flexibility. Oh, absolutely. Right? This is the test yeah. to, and this is what we charge. No, yeah. really looking for a conversation about, Sean, what are... What are your perceptions of risk, right? What do you need exactly. tested? What do you, yeah, you know, what I, would constitute? I think it goes back to what okay. the mission of that organization should be, you know, focused on the betterment, not just, hey, we like money and uh, we'll certainly give you a report and it may not be worth anything, but we'll still collect that money and we'll move on to our next client. That's, you know, that, that's yeah, not where you I think you, you still see uh, companies in that space oh, advertise. We're the best in the world at the at the hack part of it, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, that's great, but but I really want someone's going to help me improve. Right. So exactly. That's what I'm looking for as a exactly. as an enterprise security owner. There there are plentiful organizations that are seeking a pen test that has no real meaningful value. Mm-hmm. They want to check the box so they can say they got a pen test. And there are pen test companies out there that can't wait to provide that service at very affordable prices. Yes. Um, yes. Got it. But that's not the business we're in. Yeah. Either, either side. Either side. Yeah. All yeah. right. So look, our advice to the uh, listener is we've got to find those that are there to help us uh, get through the journey here. Yes. All right. Any last thought, Ed, uh, that you want to share with the audience? This was great. I really enjoyed this oh, conversation. Well, First of all, I really like you guys. So, I mean, I'm just going to have fun no matter what. But I, I hope that the conversation we just had is useful to people, that it will help them uh, get more business value out of their penetration testing efforts. I mean, fundamentally, the goal is to make the world safer and more secure for CIS, mm-hmm. for CounterHack. Um, but uh, but thank you for the opportunity. Oh, to share. we appreciate it. And yeah, great sorry. examples. Sean, any last thoughts for the. No, I, again, just appreciate being at the table. Sure. Uh, it's fantastic. And uh, yeah, again, like you say, it's uh, hope an organization can find the right partner in the space to allow them to build that maturity because you're not going to do it without the impetus and the external exposure as you would, you know, trying to figure yourself out internally. No, Got absolutely. And for our audience, thanks. Thanks. Uh, we, as always, we greatly appreciate your time and attention. And uh, I don't know about you, but this has been a fascinating conversation here with two of the really leading lights in the business and try to give you some insight into the Center for Net Security as a computing enterprise and the conversation, the way that we can use penetration testing is a critical part of our security improvement program. So as always, uh, we welcome your feedback, uh, your suggestions for other topics. If you want to have us bring Ed back, uh, maybe after the testing is over or for some more insight into this topic, we're happy to address it. Uh, As as always, uh, subscribe to us in the usual ways, and we look forward to having you join us for the next episode. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to the show today. 
If you are interested in learning more about how to grow your cybersecurity program, the free tools available to help you on your journey, or to get involved with the CIS volunteer community, visit our website at cisecurity.org. Start secure and stay secure.